Welcome to the Sounds of the World. We are your hosts, Hillary and Bill. Together, we're going to travel around the world to discover new music, discuss musical topics, and interview fascinating people. Our world is a buffet of music, and it is time to eat. Welcome back, everyone, to the Sounds of the World podcast. Um, Today, we have a very special episode. So in addition to our amazing musical guests that we have today, we also have a guest co-host, Abby. Abby is Bill's wife, a huge fan of our podcast, and she's a major help behind the scenes um, supporting Bill as we do this podcast together. She's so excited to join us behind the mic today as a sub for Bill. So first of all, I just wanted to welcome Abby. Hi. Yeah, Yeah. welcome Abby. (laughs) And so our next guest is a very special one. He is a music composer and a former colleague of mine from our days back at the University of Montana. Go Grizz. I can still remember the first time I heard his music, um, which literally left me holding my breath in anticipation um, for what was to come next. He's an incredibly kind and supportive colleague to have, and I really treasure my days with him at the U of M. He comes to us now from New York, although I think technically he's on the West Coast at the moment, Um, but his music has been performed in Germany, Thailand, Australia, Canada, and all across the United States. He's a graduate of the University of Montana, where he did his bachelor's. Uh, He did his master's over at Juilliard, where he studied with Christopher Rouse, and he's currently a PhD fellow at Princeton. Originally a forestry major, he explores his love for the environment and his music, and draws inspiration from the experience of being in a place. He's an avid collaborator and has worked with writers, dancers, choreographers, and media artists alike. His works have been performed by ensembles such as the String Orchestra of the Rockies, the Azuri Quartet, So Percussion, and Contemporaneous. He's been staying busy working on new projects, which we'll ask him about in just a moment. But first of all, I just want to welcome Tom Morrison. Woo! (laughs) Thank you so much, Hillary. Thank you both so much. It's so good to see you all. And Hillary, it's so good to see you. I feel like I haven't haven't seen you in in way too long. It's It's been a few years, I want to say. (laughs) It it has been, yeah, a few years too many for sure. Yeah. I'm I'm so glad we get to connect here. Yeah, because I think you reached out to me shortly after I was um i think i posted about doing my masters and you reached out and i connected with you then but shit i want to say that was like three years ago so yeah we're we're so excited to have you on here and to just kind of bug you about your life and what you've been up to oh i'm so so excited to to be here (laughs) chat with y'all so we'll ask you the basic question we kind of ask everyone um what's your musical background like do you come from a musical family or were you kind of the black sheep off to the side yeah, no, I definitely don't have a musical family. Um, I mean, well, I have a I have a family who really loves music, um, but my family is not there. They weren't like musicians by trade. I don't think there's any um, musicians m- musicians in my family. My dad um, was a printer, um, and uh, my mom worked like in in worked for some mortgage companies and things, and they but they weren't. But they loved, they both love, still do, love music. Like they love like, um, like classic rock and like yeah. Billy Joel. I'm from Long Island. So it's yeah. like Billy Joel is the king. <laughs> My dad really loves Bob Dylan. So I kind of yes. grew up with that. But um but no, my sisters both took piano lessons. And I think that by the time they got to me, they were like, 
he pro he's not the piano lesson type, so we're not going to do it. <laughs> uh, maybe that was a good thing, you know, that, you know, I kind of started, I didn't really get into it till I was in high school, but, but yeah, so, um, yeah, not, yeah. not, I started pretty late. That's okay. Sometimes no, all it takes, work. yeah, it's just like growing up with an appreciation of music, you know, not necessarily taking lessons. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that sometimes like, I don't know, I, I, some people ask me sometimes, they're like, you know, my kid really loves piano. Should I get them piano lessons? And half of me, like I, I tell them like half of me wants to say, yes, do it. And like half of me wants to be like, let your kid explore, you know, yeah. and like mm -hmm. and enjoy that kind of, you know, I think that that was, that was really big for me. It was kind of these like just ex getting to explore my own. I mean, I also like was lucky enough to come up in the, you know, in the age of the internet. You know, which I feel like I was one of the the first generations that kind of had all of music just available to them. And I think that was huge yeah. having that, just being able to like deep dive on YouTube. And it was still like YouTube was still like kind of a new and exciting thing, I feel like when I was in my teenage years. So it was yeah, I wanna say like, you and I are the same age, right? Yeah, I think we're right yeah. almost I think almost to the day. Yeah, oh, I was like, the 25th of April? On the 25th. Yeah, on the 23rd. <laughs> yeah, so we're very close. Yeah, I remember, like, when YouTube came out in, like, middle school or high school. I think it was middle school. And I was like, this will never catch on because it was just, like, dumb, dumb. Yeah, it was very dumb. <laughs> it was so dumb. Still is. Yeah, it has its moments. <laughs> it's a gold mine of dumb. <laughs> it is, but I love dumb. You know, it's like, awesome. I... I know I adore Dom so yeah but it's, it's cool it's such it's such a weird world now that we that people come up in and live in that they have these these it's still as much YouTube is still mind-blowing like yeah we all take it for granted but it's still like <laughs> to go onto YouTube and be able to just be like I can have anything you know like it's completely mind-blowing for such dumb things too like literally my boyfriend and I were like how do we replace we have this like faucet on the outside of our house like where our hoses that's leaking and he's like how do we replace that and like I was just like I think we can google that like I'm sure someone's done a YouTube video on it and just like being able to have that like knowledge at your fingertips for like the dumbest thing I mean yeah but for it's incredible song, but that's yeah I'm like, it, it, I'm like I gotta pay a, a plumber 500 bucks to come check this out and little lady me and be like oh let's check this out I'll be 500 bucks. <laughs> right right no no totally you can fix anything like it's yeah, it's yeah wild. my favorite thing so when did you i guess i didn't realize that you got into composition late because hearing your works at the u of m i remember thinking like this kid's a god he's way above me which granted like i feel like i jumped in a little later than you and i'm just pouring compliments on you now but when, you did you, when did you get into composition? I think it was late high school. I, I mean, I was really lucky. Like I grew up, I grew up uh, like in the New York City suburbs. So I, 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 I got, you know, I, I had access to like really great teachers early on. And I, I kind of just cold called some teachers and, and just kind of was like, hey, I'm really interested in this. I think it was my senior year in high school. And I was wow. like, I'm really interested in this. Can you? like fast track me through, you know, like I'll, I'll work as hard as I can. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so yeah. So before I came to UM, I had, I had some experience for sure. Um, so, so yeah, but 
Yeah, by the time I got to UNM, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. If I wanted to do music, if I wanted to study forestry, there was a whole, I mean, I went out there because I wanted, it was a really great forestry school and I just wanted to get far away from home. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a great, I got, it was a great education. Like it was, it was a great way to like kind of get everything I needed while I was there. They were yeah. super helpful. So you have them, like, at least, I mean, they make you take so many gen eds and they have so yeah. many cool things to explore. Like, the first time I went to college was Montana Tech. And I remember they were like, we have, like, 12 credits for gen eds. Yeah, I was an engineer for my first year. And um, oh, their gen eds are all, like, science-based. They, they're like, we're so diverse. We have a pet band. Like, what more could you want? <laughs> and I remember just being like, no. Oh, I can transfer my scholarship to the U of M. I'm going to do that. <laughs> Is Montana Tech, is that still in Missoula? Is that the one that is, where is Montana Tech? Well, that one's in Butte. So that's the, oh, that's the one. And yeah, they're now Montana Technological University. That's a weird right. change, but yeah. But yeah, I originally started off in engineering and then hated that and was like, let's do music composition. I've never done this before. Let's just try it. <laughs> that is so just cool. wild. I didn't know that. So, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. So what, what classes did you take that helped you like change your mind from forestry to composition? Like, how did you discover like, oh, I would need to make that switch? I think really early on, once it like, once it, once it just, like I was just taking my first semester, like just gen ed classes and things to get like the science classes and things to, to, to eventually go into the forestry school. It, it, it dawned on me that I was like, I really, I met some of the other foresters and they weren't, you know, they were elected. Despite my flannel, <laughs> we had in, in common. Uh, with, I, I did environmental engineering and I was like, oh, cool. I don't fit in with these kids. They're brilliant and right. I have the grades, but man, this is not me. <laughs> yeah, it was that same feeling. So we have similar journeys. Yeah. Yeah. I literally it was, had no idea about that. That's yeah cool. and I, I mean I, you know there's this there's this age old there's like the whole um if you can imagine yourself doing anything else don't don't do music which <laughs> i have mixed feelings about but yeah um, but i i yeah but then i got to a point where i was like i really don't see myself doing anything else uh oh. this is like really you know you know i was just like this is really what i want to you know i want to try it so i want to see how far i can get it because um yeah so sometimes i there are there are definitely days where i'm you know having bad music that you get rejected from something or a performance goes horribly or just some or just like a long day of teaching and you're just like oh shit i really wished i would <laughs> i was in the woods right now you know like i wish i would have become a park ranger or something and, <laughs> it but, that's what camping is for that's 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 what I always say. I'm like, okay, I can go camping. You know, I still get to spend a lot of time outside. So exactly, Montana, we call it mountain therapy. We're like, I need some mountain therapy. I gotta go hike. And you go hike. 
No doubt. It's so real though. I mean, I've tried all the other therapies too, and I still think mountain therapy is probably the most effective. Pretty solid. I hire 10 out of 10 recommend. Yes. I need that so bad. You don't get that in Texas and the mosquitoes here are just awful. What part of Texas are you in? We're in Katy, which is just out, like not just outside of Houston. It's like basically an hour's drive to get to anything good, but you know, we're, we're near Houston. So cool. Yeah. We had a tornado warning last night, so we got to take shelter in the closet. That was fun. Oh, fun. Oof. We literally, so I was born in Houston, and I don't miss those. Like, I grew up, like, being terrified of tornadoes, and even as an adult, every now and then I'm like, I have those tornado dreams where I'm like. <laughs> yeah, I guess the first at that time. age. Yeah. yeah. Our that son freaked out. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So okay. what have you been up to since, I guess you you did Juilliard with Christopher Ross. You've been a PhD fellow at Princeton. Is that right? Is, are you still? Yeah, I'm yeah. still there. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm still doing that. Um, it's a long, they, they're, they're nice at Princeton. They, uh, it's a long program and they kind of, you know, give you opportunities to teach and things. So I've been teaching and, but oh, they give you a lot of time to just write. Which oh, is that's great. awesome! Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've been doing a lot of, just a lot of writing. Uh, I taught theory. I, I mean, I, you don't get to fully teach. You have to like your teaching assistant. So, but I did a, I uh, did a TA last year in theory, uh, which is so difficult. You were always so good at theory, Hillary. I just I don't. Have, <laughs> you were so good at it. I was always like, you'd be in counterpoint, and you'd be like, "Well, that's a two-three suspension." Like, you know, but I, I, it never came easy to me. So I kind of had to like learn with the students, you know. It's funny because like, that's how I am with AP, like oral perception. Like I'm a very visual learner. And the second like you take the piano away from me, I'm like, I think I heard that. Did I hear that? What did I hear? <laughs> like I start overthinking that in panic, but yeah. yeah. Like, oh, it's pattern recognition, which I'm really oddly good at and can do the math behind this and but yeah, AP cool. <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah, no. It, yeah, oral perception is so difficult. That that has always been a you know, I think for a lot of people that's a that's no easy task. Um it it certainly was not for me. So yeah, so I mean I've been doing that. I I, I live in New York. I'm out here, I'm in Seattle right now, I'm visiting my sister and I just I always you know, just I get to go on hikes when I'm out here. So I have been spending, you know, I go hiking almost every day, but I'm normally I live in Manhattan oh, that's awesome. and it's cool it's, it's, it's a different kind of hiking we actually do it's like it's not bad because you can get out of the city relatively easy like you can get to a mountain in an hour and a half by train oh, right? oh cool yeah which like I've got a group of friends and my partner and we we all go out quite a bit hiking so I you know I get to like you yeah. get to go upstate for a little bit and then you can, you can do a day trip, come back the same day. Um, but yeah, so it's like, I, I usually I'm in like, like when school's going on, I'm in Princeton two or three days a week and then I'm just home writing the rest of the time. And Man, um, it's cool. Yeah. It, it can be, it can be really, you know, like you go through ebbs and flows. I feel like oh, with, yeah. that, <laughs> with that loose schedule, sometimes it can be yeah, really it's... hard to make like, 
you know, hard to stay on track. And I struggled with in grad school because they have less contact hours overseas where I went in England. And so like, I yeah. was like five hours a week and I'm like, I'm used to America where we go to class like 20 hours a week <laughs> like, right. with my time. Yeah. It's hard. It's, it's totally like, it's a free fall, you know, that's, it's like a free fall once you get to a certain point and it's like, you know, you have to manage your own time. And that's, I'm super ADD. So like my managing my time is incredibly <laughs> difficult. Like I really gotta be kind of hard on myself to make that, to make it all work. Set but, all um, the alarms. <laughs> exactly. No, I really do. I, I, do. I like, I use my Siri. Like I'm always like Siri, remind me in 14 minutes that I need to email blah, blah you know, like, and I, <laughs> And then remind me again in 25 minutes because I'm going to blow off the first, you know. The, like, the shut up, Siri, I got this. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So. I do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I need to set like several of them because I know I'm going to blow the first like few off. Um, so funny. But, um, but yeah, so I've just been, but other than that, I've just been chilling, you know. Yeah. Enjoying life. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. Was it difficult for you to transition from being in Montana to going back to the city and going to school there, or it was? Oh yeah, it was really, yeah, it was really hard. I was really lucky actually, because my first year back in New York, I had this, a roommate that I met in Montana. I don't know if you overlapped with her at all, in Englandson, but she is a, mm. um, she she's from the middle of nowhere, Montana. And she was just, crushing it in the city she's a music teacher oh, and awesome. she works at the village vanguard and she like just posts I, I was looking for a room and somehow we got in touch about like i was like i need a room and um she was an old friend of mine so i don't think i would have survived moving back to the city without her she was okay. serious like and she still is a dear dear friend of mine oh, awesome. um, yes she rules a thousand percent um but it was really tough. I mean, both my year, my my time at Juilliard was really hard. It's like it was oh. really really difficult. I found. I mean, I, I thought I was in. I mean, you just have it's 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 just re, it was just really intense. Speaking of ear, like there was an ear training class there that was just, just completely kicked my ass. Um, that was like. <laughs> I did yeah. online with the he does the th the theory, one of the theory guys and one of the oral perception trainers, and I was like, I can't imagine doing this in class for a grade and getting. Oh yeah. So encouraging, and I loved working with him. But I was like, ah, I couldn't do this in grad school. I'd have shit my pants. <laughs> yeah, no, it's totally. And they like make you get up in front of the class and be like. So I just kind of like had to go to Juilliard and like deal with a bunch of my own anxiety, like really yeah. face it head on. Yeah. Um, right. I, yeah, I had two therapists when I was living in New York, but not because I needed two. It was because I was afraid to break up with one, <laughs> and there was like. I had one therapy. The school gave me a therapist, and then I had insurance from my stepdad, and I, I went to like both, and I was like, all right, I definitely like the one through my insurance, but then I didn't know how to call it off with the one through the school because I, <laughs> I just be, like, yeah, I'm like that would be challenging. I'm yeah. sure so they're, I like, they're fine. I'm sure no, they have I, their own therapists. They're fine. No, they do. They do. It was not. It was not anything to do with them. It was just me being a psycho. So oh, I, it's I had that two people therapists. pleaser. Okay. Right, right. No, yeah. So I just didn't want to like upset anybody. And I just had, 
I had two therapists for quite some time. <laughs> so exciting. Like, I'm like, why can't it be nice to have all that space to bounce off? But then like you said, if like the one's not quite what, what you need, then I'd be like, <laughs> I would be stressing for that appointment and be right. like, oh, I know this is supposed to happen. Oh, it's, and I had to remember like what I talked about in each one and, and I had to like keep track. It became, it became so stressful. It was was it you that told me to do this or did you tell yeah. me to do that? Like, Yeah, or sometimes I would tell another therapist to be like you know i'd tell them something that the other therapist said i'm just like i'm really thinking about this about myself and they'd be like wow that's really insightful and i'd be like yeah i'm so deep i'm so deep it's it's looking back at it now i'm like wow that is completely ridiculous but oh it's so hard though because like when you're in that headspace i'm like dude that's something i would totally do when you're in that headspace of like yeah you know needing to break up with your therapist but not feeling like you can like that's just it's such a real trauma to get through in a real molehill <laughs> no doubt i mean totally it was in the moment it seemed like the end of the world so. <laughs> that's hilarious but it's psychotic i understand i know that much oh i laugh because i'm like i can see myself panicking yeah no for <laughs> sure for sure you nah <laughs> <laughs> Well, gosh, okay, so it just sent you into a need for therapy, okay? <laughs> yeah, it did, it did. That's how bad it was. So, But my I think everybody goodness. in New York should have a therapist. That's my... No, I'm like, maybe everyone, just because it's good. It's good to talk Just to everyone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I still have one. I still I still have one. It's not one of not one of the two, but <laughs> That's good. the original You had to break two, up but... with another one. Yeah, I know. I know. It's hard. It's not easy, but yeah. it's good practice. Oh, so. good. Sure. So did that experience bring about good pieces? Did you write anything? Like, did... I guess, did your anxiety give you any good thought to put into a piece? That's a really good question. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it, I think anxiety is good for a lot of things, including like being creative it, uh, at, at a certain level. I think it can, mm-hmm. you know, it can definitely be really destructive. But yeah, I mean, I think that that, that kind of thing, it was... Yeah, I think my music definitely got a little bit more like um, jagged and, you know, yeah, I think I think it helped. Um, I, I, I think dealing with all that helped a lot, you know, and I think I, I, I also think like it made me work through a lot of anxiety mm-hmm. so that now I don't really have it as much as I did. Um, right. And it helped, you know, that helps a lot, not really not having it like I used to. Um, yeah, I chatting with you at the U of M and I remember like I don't remember when but I remember admitting I was like yeah I'm like anxious as hell all the time and you're like me too and then you're like I go run at the gym because if you're tired you can't be anxious I remember you telling me that and I remember like I need to go run (laughs) (laughs) oh shit that's great yeah I mean I I still think that's true no and it's that's funny because like I forgot that you told me that and that still pops up in my head like if you're tired from running like you don't have enough energy to be anxious then you can get your work done (laughs) it's like huh yeah (laughs) yeah now you would think that I'd be a lot more fit being how much I like how evangelical I am about exercise (laughs) like I'm not I'm not in shape but I'm great at telling people that they should go fucking run (laughs) Um, <laughs> I think it was what I needed. It definitely. No, but, but I that 
that is that to me is the best therapy. I mean, like that is, you know, I've tried every, I've tried everything for, for these sorts of things. And I, I still believe that that is the best thing is mm -hmm. to just like exercise till you're exhausted. And then, you know, including those mountain hikes, those mountain hikes, that's what they're there for. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I really believe in that, that they're good for, for everything, but, yeah. Um, but yeah. Is that where, I'm sorry, Hillary, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> is that where, um, big sky came from was just all of your time spent hiking in the mountain therapy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is from, from that time. Yeah. That, that, that orchestra piece. Yeah. It was from, um, it was kind of my homage. Yeah. I listened to it before you came on and it is amazing. Well, thank you it's so amazing. much. It incites that. all the emotions and I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot what it's like to look at mountains, but it yeah. just like, it made me feel it. And now I'm homesick. <laughs> yeah, no, there's something it's about great. it. There's that special mountain feeling that like, you, yeah. there's not, there's, there's, there's nothing like it. I mean, it, right. it, it's a very like, it feels like a very primitive feeling when you're around. Yeah. When you're around mountains. It's, exactly. And I remember like moving out to Montana, you know, being from New York and looking at the mountains and just being like holy shit like like missoula you're just tucked right in that valley and you're like hey we have sentinel and we have jumbo and we have the blue hills and then we've got south hills and then or we have blue mountain and the south hills and then wow. the and... it's nuts it's so nuts how That's amazing how that town is like I mean, I think people are catch people are definitely catching on to like Missoula. Yeah, Missoula has since blown up. Like, I don't know if you've been out there, but like the whole downtown's changed. Their gentrification's hitting that town pretty damn hard, uh, which is kind of sad because it was kind of yeah. like catchy and fun and hipster and weird, and now it's it's all those things, but it's like up a price level, which is kind of interesting to see. But that's what's happening to Boise, Idaho, too, because I'm from Boise. I'm from Idaho, but my parents live in Boise, and it's you know mountainous and you've got the river and now you've got all the rich california people moving in <laughs> yeah in a nutshell yeah yeah i'm sure pandemic didn't help that either i'm sure that they all were just fleeting to to go and if you want to sell your house you can sell it within a couple hours full cash price and i bet no, it's I not. Bet. Yeah, it's because they need to feel that air rushing off of the jagged tops of the mountains. Yeah. Hear that water just, whoosh, you know. Yeah, there's something about like it's at the there's a couple of mountain ranges that like whenever I see them, it's like I just either hold my breath or I remember like my childhood. So it like you just get those deep emotions. That, I don't quite get that same feeling when I go look at the plains when I go visit Texas. I'm like. Yeah, the flatland. And I remember the Houston skyline when I was a kid. But yeah, there's something about like a mountain that just will bring you to your knees and makes for an excellent writing material for composition. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no doubt. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's such a yeah. The imagination really runs wild out there. You know, I think it's it's yeah. just such a one. I hope I get to live in a place like that again in my life. You know, I yeah. really do. Oh, definitely. Whatever. So speaking of Big Sky, what other like projects are you working on? Do you have anything? Um, I've noticed like when you look at your portfolio, like you're awesome with collaborations. Are you doing any collaborations at the moment? Or yeah, I actually I have some things going. Like I, I have a few. Like 
I feel like there's a whole bunch of work that what I was about to like pop up before uh, COVID, and then that just kind of fell apart. But yeah, I've got a bunch of things that are that are about to about to release. Um, I got really into just kind of writing during during pandemic. I got into writing all these pieces for just like solo instrument electronics because we didn't know like what the so I just recorded and we did this video shoot for this piece for for harp and electronics with my friend Parker Ramsey, who's kind of like this prodigy boy, a uh, harp boy, who he, um, yeah, we, we've done a bunch of projects together. Uh, we did one at Juilliard um, and we've done a few since we've been out. Um, so we did, we did that and we just had a great video shoot and that's going to be releasing in the next few weeks. Um, and then I also did this piece for, uh, my friend, uh, Theo, who's this amazing trumpet player. He'll be releasing, um, an album and I did a piece for him for trumpet electronics. So I'm doing these, these, these pieces for solo instrument electronics. And then I have a piece premiering June 11th with the Albany symphony, um, for Albany Symphony and two sopranos. Um, and I took the text for that, which I don't, you know, I, I, I very rarely write for boys. I was gonna um, say, I remember like we did a project and I remember you being like, I hate writing for boys. <laughs> I do, I still, that hasn't changed any. It's not that I don't respect the boys, just like, it's just not my, yeah, I really love instrumental music and it's, uh, but but I haven't, uh, Lucy Fitzgibbon and Lucy DeGray, these, these two, amazing sopranos um so there's they're singing this piece i wrote for them in like a, a very reduced orchestra oh, um, cool. and the text is from uh i took a bunch of william carlos williams poems and ran them okay. through uh an ai text generator that made new poems Ooh. so com completely machine generated text that's very meta <laughs> yeah <laughs> It is, yeah, it is. It's kind of like, yeah. So, um, and then I have, I have a thing, I have a reading coming up. It's not like published or anything with the New Jersey Symphony. So it's been kind of a, I've been yeah, you've kind been of doing a lot of work over quarantine in order to like push it all out for, and now it's all about to just kind of happen. So. Yeah. That's good. Awesome. So how did the poems come out? Sorry, I'm going to, I'm curious about that. Like, were they like readable or like, did they make sense? Like. Oh my God! You yes, you you have to check out these. There's this I'm new intrigued all at the same time. That's exactly it. That's exactly the thing. Is it's it's I there is this this there's this journal that that I follow sometimes, and well, my friend showed me this journal, and it one of the pieces in it in this literature journal was a piece by this AI um, explaining to you why you shouldn't be afraid of it and oh, it is terrifying. fucking terrifying because like <laughs> the english you know is the the command that this machine has over the language is just terrifying and beautiful and yeah like everything oh. wonderful <laughs> um so so yeah and it's 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 called gtp3 or g pt3 g gtp3 and it's this open source i think it's developed by people at microsoft but it's this open source ai and um it's crazy i mean a lot of it is used for very practical reasons it's made for like 
people in advertising so that they cannot hire advertisers. They can, these, these machines can just create content based on whatever's yeah. happening at a business. Yeah. Well, I've seen um, a few of those like commercials generated and I've seen like short stories that are generated. I'm like, damn, these make sense. Like, I mean, some of them are a little off, but you're like, I could fill in the pieces. That's so wild. <laughs> yeah. No, with this, it was really nuts because I fed it William Carlos Williams and I just fed it like kind of these, a few different lines from some different poems. And it, it, not only does it make like a very coherent and beautiful poem, but it's also matches the style exactly. Like you would oh, think it was, wow. yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's completely bonkers. Um, yeah. So they've like this, this newest update, it, from what I understand, it's like, it's kind of making a lot of people in the nerd world are really excited about it. Yeah. So it, it to like, it, it seems like this is the one that's kind of the first one that's going to be truly believable or truly. Oh, that's really so, cool. It's wild. <laughs> it's wild. It's terrifying. You know, it's especially like being in the humanities and thinking about. Yeah. Like, you what, know, like. What's that? What the impact is? What impact is that going to have on her? Taking logic yeah. or studying ethics. Or, oh. Yeah, exactly. And literature. Oh, that's wild. That's really cool, though. Yeah, it's really crazy. Um, but yeah, lovely poem. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited to hear this work now. To it'll be good. Out, so that's gonna be awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm excited to see what happens with it and see if it see if it works in real life. Yeah. Um, I had a thought come up. I have no words. English is hard. Um, <laughs> yay. You don't need They'll words just anymore. Fill in my space. I won't have to think anymore. So you talked about like the struggles of writing during the pandemic and like how you have a soloist with electronics. Are, do you think that that's going to be the direction that com composers go now? Because we have so much to lose if this is to come back full swing again or if something else hits us do you think we're going to at least in the musical world be more prepared and just start doing things on a smaller scale so we have less to lose yeah i mean that's really interesting food for thought right now i mean it, it it's really like yeah i feel like that that is that is very much that thought is very much in the air and it, it's and um you know is this a one-off or is this something that you know given the circumstances of our world right now could could very well you know we could have another we could have a mutation we could have a, a brand new disease we could have a lot of things happen and you know especially people you know so many of so many people got so hit so hard and I think there's a, a lot of people are just thinking like, if this happens again, how do I financially, you know, from a completely practical perspective, how do I financially protect myself as an artist um, and, and, and make myself, you know, get my, have a plan so that if this happens again, I can just kind of hit the ground running artistically and, and economically. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, it definitely could be. I mean, it, it definitely this, you know, but it's, it's been such an, it's been such a crazy time to think about like how people have kind of made this work, you know, like how many people I have seen come up with these things that I'm like, 
shit, that is such a cool project that would have never happened. Yeah. You know, or even like virtual concerts I've gone to that I was like, shit, that was so beautifully done. And people curate these videos and they go from one piece to the next so smoothly. And they really, and it's like, that would have never happened if this was just, so yeah. I think there's that side of it. And I also think there's this other side of it that's like, you know, it, 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 it makes people appreciate being able to, yeah play in an orchestra or play Absolutely. you know play and i think that's something you know that's coming back right now and i went to a concert a few weeks ago like in person and mm -hmm. there was it was in an art museum in new york and it was just my friend gabe who's a cellist and he was playing some pieces in art museum and there was only like 10 people there but it was just the people i was talking to at the concert it was just like whoa like we really missed this so i think there's one part that we're like, okay, let's brace for the new, but also like, let's really cherish this if, in case we don't have, you know, we don't get this again. Let's like really, you know, get exactly. into this moment that we're in and, and enjoy it. So. Yeah, it um, kind of gives us a moment to either like hold on to what we've got so we can get kind of stuck in the past, but it also kind of propels us forward, like at top speed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of silver linings, you know, like a lot of, I mean, it's been a nasty, nasty time um, yeah. for everybody, but it's, there are some silver linings that I'm grateful for, so. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. Kind of like how this podcast was born was Bill messaged me, like, was thinking about it, I was like, if it hadn't have been a pandemic, like, any other year, we might have been like, oh, we're in two different states, like, this, this wouldn't work, this would be better if we were in person, or if we were interviewing live people, and it's like, it's been a blessing is like we can interview we interviewed someone from africa last week and it was like how cool is that that probably wouldn't have happened or maybe the guy wouldn't have jumped on the opportunity quite like i don't know it's been really cool <laughs> from that perspective of just yeah exactly it's that's so cool yeah i had a piece this this last summer through that i did and it was this small quartet but i had it um a steel pan player from Trinidad play and like oh, she was in Trinidad and everybody recorded everything to a click track and we put it together and we had someone like in the Midwest we had someone in Brooklyn who I was also in Brooklyn but I had never met this guy yeah and it was just like it's it's cool I mean like it's it sucks but it's cool yeah <laughs> totally yeah. sucks but <laughs> people yeah. are like, like coming up with some really really cool things so. yeah all right, I have a question from Bill because he wrote some down for me. Um, he would like to know, how long does it take you on average to write a piece from the initial concept to finishing it? Oh, that's good. I, I'm so, I'm very slow. Um, so it's months always. It's, okay. it's, I'm very, very slow. So if it's like a big, if it's an orchestra piece, um, like it's usually it's usually i'll write for like three or four months and then stop writing and then work on something else and then come back if i have the time mm -hmm. like months later but like if it's an orchestra piece it's going to be usually like half a year um you know some pieces will get done sometimes you know like this albany symphony piece i did like you know i got the call like two months before it was due and the guy was like, can you put it together? And I was like, it's going to be a lot of coffee. Yeah, but yeah. you can it, you make it work. But um, 
Yeah. Some people I know, like some of my friends are so, I mean, I'm sure you guys talk to people like this all the time, but like I have some friends who need to be like two weeks before it's due. That's like they'll start it and they need that adrenaline to, yeah. to do the piece. But that's the, I can't, I like, I like to have months before it's due having it done. Like I like as much time as I can get. That's, so. I've written and shoot two years because life's gotten away from me, but when I was writing in school, it was very much like, okay, like you can't bring a project on you. <laughs> like, yeah. And if you do, like, then it's like, I can get it done because I'll be in that like coffee field of journaling, staying up at the library all night writing type deal. But I definitely like to have, and it's funny because I do something similar where I'll like write and then I like to like put it away because I'll suddenly, I'll start hating yeah, it the me more too. I work on it. And then when I stop, two months later, come back and I'm like, this is great. What was I like freaking out about? And then I'll just tweak this and call it good and do coffee for it. And yeah, so that's cool. I'm very similar in your process. I'm not sure how Bill's a composer too. And I'm not sure what his process is, but yeah, no, and I understand, I, I, I understand taking the time too, you know, like taking time off, um, that I think that is really huge too. Like it's sometimes that that can be difficult taking time off because you need to do this, you need to do that. But like taking long periods of time off from writing can be really important. Like there's, there's some, in, yeah. Because like originally I was pretty down on myself. It was like I had to get my mental health in order, and then it was like I got to get my financial, I got to get financially secure. And like it's funny because I can feel it building up. I'm like I'm gonna write something. I know I'm gonna come back to this, but it's kind of this nice like. I don't have to beat myself up and write every day or feel pissed off if I don't do it seven days a week. Like it's, it's been kind of a nice reprieve and a good time to heal from like all the criticism and the, the fun of being yeah. older and all that stress that comes with it. I guess yeah. Bill is fairly similar, I guess. Like I'm on the outside looking in, so I can only speak to it from like my point of view, but he, I can tell when he's really jazzed about something because he'll just write and write and write and he'll get it out. But there's sometimes where it just like, it, it takes a little bit, you know, and either way, I mean, I may be a little biased, but I like whatever he puts out is good regardless of the process. So it's just, I think that whatever comes to you with that project is what's meant to come to you with that specific project. Yeah. yeah. That's for sure way. that's a good way to put that yeah i think that's that's true each project comes with its own sort of thing but mm -hmm. yeah and you deal with each one and um you do yeah you, you kind of do each one but yeah no i i think that also going back to like taking taking the time i i, I was just thinking about there's this composer hans abrahamson who um, has written a few pieces in the last 10 years mm -hmm. um he, he wrote this this song cycle for orchestra and voice uh, called Let Me Tell You. And he wrote this piece called Schnee or Schnee, meaning snow in German. Um, and he he took 10 years off. Like he he stopped writing for 10 years and, <laughs> and came back and wrote the music that he wrote when he came back was just fucking incredible. Like it, some of the best music that I think has been written. In. I was saying, was that, like Arvo Parrot was another one that like didn't he I think yeah. he took a 20 year hiatus from publishing at least and like shit I love his music but yeah he had a different style when he came back yeah he had to shake off a lot of the kind of like 
old modernist rust you know like he was really brought up in that school where things were really yeah. by the book but he yeah. you know found his way yeah so sometimes you got to give yourself a chance to grow in between yeah. the beginning and the end to figure out where you're actually going to end up no like, doubt i don't know if this is similar for you but i know like the more life events that happen for me i'm like i feel the deeper deeper my soul gets that makes sense like yeah. which i feel like when you bring that to writing you're just like oh i've got a little more experience with this or hey i've got a new solution for this which was like me five years ago would have been like oh, here like this is just yeah a trash can for a while and right for sure yeah i mean yeah and we all change so rapidly and but also so slowly and in, in different ways and, and that all comes into play like the way we the things we like like the things i like now if i look back at 10 years ago oh god prob <laughs> i probably would hate you know and like so it's like and it's sometimes you have to like kind of give in sometimes i i want to like really hold on to the things you know these these are the things i love and these are the base things i love and i love them um but sometimes you have to let go of that and be like you gotta yeah. learn new shit. sometimes it's okay for your favorite things to change it's fine <laughs> yeah yeah which i have a big problem with sometimes accepting that but yeah right it's like i changed my favorite color like three times what hey hillary <laughs> No, you're not allowed to change your favorite color. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I totally am. It just depends on my mood. Normally purple, but sometimes it's not. <laughs> my niece told me that the other day. She's like, what's your favorite color? And I was like, blue. And she's like, well, you're not allowed to like blue. You can like this color and you can't change. And I was like, okay, Gibby. <laughs> my daughter does the same thing. Our favorite color this week is teal. And I was like, ours. Okay. <laughs> well, the whole class likes teal right now, mom. <laughs> okay but yeah i remember doing that with like music taste and like listening to i don't know all the music i listened to in high school thinking like i'll never not like i'll never not want to put the red hot chili peppers on for, like hours on end and like now i'm like i mean i love the red hot chili peppers but i don't i don't need to listen to them at the moment right right yeah i took a 10-year break between listening to paramore nonstop and then getting back into it because my stepdaughter loves them. I'm like, yes. yes I, let me dig out my CDs from my car. That brings back such like warp tour memories. Oh like yes. being severely dehydrated and watching Paramore. I love it. I just watched my friends go to warp tour because I was like, that's too many people for me. It's not my scene. Oh yeah. Oh, is it still is it happening now? I don't know. Um, it used to come through my area though. Every now and then you'd be there in or to be in either Twin Falls or Boise. And so they would go, but I think on, I don't know. It was like a little car ride and it was like, nah, we can't afford that. <laughs> I just you didn't know. <laughs> it's too much social. <laughs> yeah, but you got to see Haley Williams and all of those other great uh, you know, so you got it was for us it was it wasn't too it was really close to where I lived. We could go to we can get it was like a bus ride away, so we could get oh there God, pretty nice. so we would yeah, I would go with my friends every year or almost every year. But but yeah, Paramore always killed it every time. It was always one of the best one of the best groups to see. I always wanted to see them and Muse. Muse oh, I've never seen Muse, but that seems like a crazy live show. Yeah. Oh, and show. An ex of mine went when they were in Salt Lake because they were going up 
and he like sent me videos of it i was like oh man he invited me to go but i just oh <laughs> I yeah it, yeah all those shows well i'm sure there's i'm sure there's more muse shows to go to right I'm sure they're yeah. still doing their thing it's never gonna die like they're a... gonna keep coming back like the who <laughs> of course yeah Every time I check back in with all rock and like, ah, oh, Muse has a new album. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I have that same phenomenon. I feel like that's a big like light show if you go see Muse. Like it's yeah. like a big, well, like, like they're really into all that crazy, like, yeah, I feel like that's a good time. It's gotta be. Exactly. The only concert I have ever been to is Huey Lewis and the News. But that sounds it, fun. It was great. We won tickets yeah. on the radio. We went when we were living in Reno and it was awesome. We got our friends to babysit and the husband was just so upset because he's like 10 years older than me, if not a little bit more. And he's like, I should be the one going, not some yeah, young thing like you. Generation. And I'm like, I was raised on this. <laughs> that might even be a little young for him. I feel like, I feel like, you know, like that's, but still a classic. Right. Well, like I'm a nineties baby. I was born in 92. So he's just like, what are you doing listening yeah. to them? And I'm like, <laughs> I grew up on Leonard Skinner too. <laughs> well, that was, that's still like, you know, there's still as a classic rock station on every, Oh yeah. like every city you go to, it's still like, it is kind of weird how classic rock has, has. Will refuse to die. Like, will refuse to die. Well, like and, very weird. and I feel so. Up. Rock. people would riot they'd be like no where's our classic rock station yeah. yeah well like i was listening to it the other day and then something that i listened to in middle school and high school is on there and i was so offended it's like i'm not even 30 yet what are you doing oh god yeah I'm i don't so know if offended. i could take that <laughs> i don't know if i could take that from like it used to be like the 80s 90s 2000s and then they're like the 2k and today now, and i'm like shit is the night was that 30 years ago am i 30 old? Yeah. <laughs> old am I? yeah yeah that's kind of it's a trip to think about but yeah <laughs> no it really it's it, it can be depressing but that's funny it's all how you look at it but you got your love of music i think also from like your parents taste too no doubt. Right? Yeah. So do you represent any of that in the music that you write or is yours more like classically based? I think it's, it's a, no, it's a little bit of everything. Like I, I think a lot, I mean, a lot of the music I really love is not, you know, classical or, or new music, you know, that uh, mm -hmm. formal music, which I think I'm going to start calling it. I like um, that. Like, oh, I'm going to steal that as well. Like, Can I wear I jeans or do I, or do I need to buy a new dress? Like, right, right. Do I wear all black button downs or do I, yeah. Do you clap between the side? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, like, let's call it what it is, you know, like, uh, yeah. I kind of like, I, I, That's I, formal. Yeah, I just, so no, I like, I mean, I know so much of the music I listen to, like I play mandolin. I really like, okay. Wow, like really some cool. bluegrass music, not all bluegrass, although I, I think I know it decently well. And um, uh, like a lot of old folk music, a lot of old time music, which the old time people don't let mandolinists play, but I like listening to old time music, um, like old fiddle music and things. But I, you know, I love like, I go, I have tons of bands that I really love and I love electronic music and um yeah, so probably like formal music is only maybe ten percent, fifteen percent of what I listen to, but um, it just so happens to be like what I, yeah, what I what I make. 
But right. yeah, I, I hope it all makes its way in there. You know, yeah. like, yeah. like blurring the lines, no box, just, yeah, I'm you, out there. Oh, <laughs> sure. That's yeah. good. Yeah. I feel like you even like bring in, I don't know. I love listening to your music, like I said, because there's always like, it's always like unexpected, but then I'm like kind of anticipating it and then you deliver in a different way. And it's just always like, I feel like I'm on the edge of my seat, like listening and yeah. like you'd always, you'd always do a lot of really cool things in your music. No, I'm That's not explaining awesome. that. Like a I'm not analyzing that like a composer should analyzing it, should analyze it, but. You're helping me understand. It's fine. <laughs> No, I, I think that is how music should be taught. I think I appreciate that. That's incredibly kind, and I I feel very similarly about about your music. You know, it has all of these. It's it's it uh adheres to a sort of yeah, like a, a, there's something familiar about it, but then it kind of has its own its yeah, own world that it goes into. And because when I hear some of your pieces, I'm like, I remember at least like at Missoula, like when we do our new music concerts and I like kind of would do this guessing game where I put the program down and I'd like just listen to see if I could figure it out. And I would always be like, that's Tom, <laughs> like unmistakably. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, no, but I, I think that's how music should be. I, I mean, I, I appreciate that kind of talking about music than like it's a seven chord going oh, to a four no, chord. Um, what was your gesture here? Was yeah, exactly. So. Like that. One of our professors liked that. One of them didn't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was a big topic. Yeah. The word gesture. It's a big heated, yeah. heated topic. Again. It's, yeah. It's very important to bring in people who don't have necessarily that musical background. Like we were talking about at the beginning, because it's, if you only have people who know what they're talking about come your audience may get smaller they're going to be so much harsher i feel like on your music and then it's just like they're picking it apart whether instead of just like sitting there and enjoying it and letting it just wash over them let people enjoy what they want to enjoy yeah give them a chance to do so well i even think the people who write this very cerebral complex music like they're usually the first, I mean, the first person I think about is like Philip Glass, not that he's, mm -hmm. but I like, I, they're, they're like the, the cerebral types will be, they'll shit all over Philip Glass and be like, oh, oh yeah, movie. Not like, Glass. <laughs> he brings, a, he brings a lot of people into like the classical music world, you know, and he brings a lot of, he, like a lot of people, it's a gateway. He's the gateway drug. That's how I feel about like Eric Whitaker. Like I sure. vocal music and people love to shit on Eric Whitaker. And I'm like, love it. the dude brings, I'm like, if you take somebody that doesn't have a classical background and they listen to like, um, a boy, I think this is one of his big ones. Yeah. Like the boy and the girl song. I can't remember the name the title of it. Damn you. But they're going to know what's going on and they're going to feel pulled in. They're going to understand the language he's using. They're going to think it's, fun to listen to or they're going to feel engaged they're not going to feel alienated like they will if they hear this highly cerebral complex right music. you have to study composition for years and years and years in theory to understand like oh he did that inverted that was cool that was inverted and retrograde <laughs> which nobody can really hear by the way but yeah no, i agree yeah. um yeah and i mean like it's also like someone like that like you know you might be giving a 15 year old in kansas a really great experience, you know, and something that they would never experience. And anybody who is going to like shit on that is stupid. I agree. In my opinion, like anybody who is not going to like, you know, like, 
they, that kind of music has like changed the lives of, like actually changed the lives of people and like have like given them like an identity as like a choir kid or something and you know and like has made them you know like that happens with that kind of you know like any of this like band music too you know you have these band composers that people like to shit on or and Even it's like, like worse, like cool, like Hans Zimmer. I remember my siblings were yeah. like, love Hans Zimmer. We'll throw him in. And like my brother used to listen to like the Batman soundtrack while he was doing accounting. <laughs> He's like, I feel so epic at my desk. But I'm like, I remember feeling like I'm not allowed to comment on that because I was like going to music school and the big thing was like, you can't like people like Hans Zimmer or, or Howard Schultz or anybody like that. Like they're relatable. They're relatable. Yeah. They bring in an audience. Yeah, and there is nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's nothing, and and you know, like I don't mind. Also, I I love the really complex and weird shit. You know, like yeah. I because for people, for a lot of people, it's, that's their identity, right? That's their like yeah. weird little niche, their corner of the world that they have. Even as grown people, you know, not even as like, you know, like they, it's their little corner of the world, and that it gives their life meaning, and that's great. You know, like because that that's awesome. That's exactly that's what this is all about. You know, like that is what we most of what we do is about really if we look at it seriously yeah. like it's we're just trying to figure out what but it gives us meaning and that's that's what these things do you know like and they do them really really well um so yeah so i don't think i i used i think i was when i was like not very mature i would be like oh, yeah. oh there's composers i was pretentious at the u of m i remember being like i don't yeah, like sure. class eric Whitaker is stupid like 10 years later, I'm like, I enjoy the shit out of their music. Right. <laughs> yeah, sure. Be pretentious a little bit when you're learning. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah. And it's also everything's good. It's good to have opinions. It's good to not have opinions. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, at that time, like, I don't know if you felt this pressure for you. And I didn't always listen to this, but there, I was always, you know, we were encouraged to cut out pop music and just listen to classical. And I remember somebody being like, you need to stop listening to this pop on the radio. I can't remember who said that to me, but. And being like feeling that pressure to do that. And so then you just get into this classical world all the time. On one hand, it's great because you're listening, you're opening your brain. But the other half of me was like, sometimes I just want to have a beer and listen to Led Zeppelin. Right. <laughs> I don't want to have a beer and listen to Pender right now. <laughs> right. No. And that's, yeah, there's a time to play. Music is function too. Like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to listen to Beethoven at the gym. Yeah. That's Which probably not. not <laughs> that's not going to. Do there you know there's music is it's kind of you know it's like food you know it's like we have a lot of different nutrients we need i think like then there's a well-balanced diet and i think that you know I love it. that's how i feel about it anyway yeah Definitely. happens to be our tag old close to the tagline for our podcast um, <laughs> yeah still came up with that the world's a buffet of music and it's time to eat and i'm like it's true though <laughs> oh that's great that is that is really a great that's fantastic. Kudos to Bill. That's exactly. really wonderful. There's always something at a buffet that someone's going to enjoy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we like the sushi buffets, but you know. Hello. Oh, I do too. I'm so glad now that like back in um New York, like I would live for a long time on the hot bars and like Whole Foods because it's like you can just get a bunch of shit. Or like not even in Whole Foods, but in like these sorts of places there's hot bars all over the place in manhattan and it's like if you need food it's but they were closed for covid oh, no yeah. now you're like dealing with me out in montana where we don't i'm like oh, whole food <laughs> yeah yeah but but yeah so it's not to like trans i know that the buffet was a metaphor but 
No, <laughs> we're food passionate. It's fine. <laughs> Music and food brings people together. Yes, for sure. <laughs> well, thanks so much for chatting with us today, Tom. It was so good to catch up with you. It's been way too freaking long. Um, I I can't wait to to check out your projects that you've got coming up. So do keep us um, informed on what your premieres are. And we'll, you know, try and do our best to share them here on this platform so our listeners can check them out. Um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today and letting us pick your brain. Thank you so much. My, my, my pleasure. Huge pleasure. Yes, thank you. Do you have anything, any social media platforms you'd like people to follow you on or anything like that? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my, my Instagram, probably. My Instagram is the last chair viola. Okay um and all one word all one word okay my website if anyone wants to go is is tom-morrison.com if you want to check out my site awesome um, and your music yeah. is on soundcloud yeah and you can access that through my site if you go to my oh, site you can access all the soundcloud links and links to my music and scores and stuff okay cool all right. and all of those will be on the sounds of the world podcast website as well we'll keep you posted Sweet. with the links yeah. so Well, thanks so much, Tom. We'll let you get going and hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks for listening to the Sounds of the World podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode. There are links to everything in the episode description and also on our website. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sounds of the World. To show support for Sounds of the World podcast, please join our Patreon, where you can have access to our after-party discussions with guests, discounted merchandise, and even more. If you have any questions, answers, or episode suggestions, please email us at soundsoftheworldpodcast at gmail.com. Well, Bill, I think I'm going to go have a beer now. Hey, there you go.